Welcome to the New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal? To provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sathya Sam. What's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here, and welcome to the New Man Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we have some exciting news about this podcast, uh, news that will be shared soon. But, um, well, I think I can share kind of like the crux of it. We're basically going to rebrand the podcast. That's the exciting news. And um, I'm going to go into more details about it later. I don't know when exactly, um, whenever the rebrand happens. But um yeah, we got some exciting stuff in the pipeline, and uh, I am really excited about this rebrand. Um, you know, the podcast started out with a certain vibe, a certain goal. The goals really haven't changed, but um, uh, let's just say that this podcast, like The New Man, is not the only podcast out there by that title. So it's been really hard to kind of do SEO and, you know, just get the word out. A unique title goes a long way. So um so stay tuned. We're going we're gonna to tell you more about that. Don't worry. You're not going to have to change anything on your end. Everything still will be delivered uh, right to you. But, um, but I thought I'd give you a heads up. If you see the podcast cover change, don't be freaked out. If you see the title change, don't be freaked out. Um, we're simply changing the name here. And we're going to keep offering you great content. So more information on that soon. But without further ado, we are going to jump right into today's episode. Uh, which is what is sexually appropriate in a marriage? Yeah, what a spicy question that is. Um, so this was actually inspired by some um, some dialogue, some Q and A uh, that I did recently, and you know it's really interesting. Like there's there's a couple of different angles to this. So I guess one question is like, can porn ever be acceptable in a marriage? I was asked this actually recently um, in my travels. Is porn okay in a marriage? Is it okay to masturbate if you're thinking of your wife? It's another common question among married guys. And another question is like, what if your wife is sending images of herself? Is that okay? Is that appropriate? So, you know, layers to this one. Um, and I think, I, I think what I'll actually do today is I'm just going to answer those questions directly. Because I think if I answer those questions, then... Um, you know, we'll be able to sort of uncover the principles and some of the dynamics you need to really think about. So, um, so let's start with question number one. Okay, question number one, can I bring porn into my marriage? So here's the deal. If you want to bring porn into your marriage, the question is why? So like most people, it's like, oh, I just want to spice it up. So, you know, when this question was posed to me recently, it was like um, a husband and a wife have recently reconciled. They want to add a little bit of spice in the bedroom. And so they're trying some new things. Uh, one of which is, uh, or sorry, um, they've, they've tried some new things and they have considered porn. Now, uh, I was grateful to hear they hadn't actually brought porn in, but they were considering it. And, you know, um, the wife was game for it if, if it was going to help and whatever else. So, you know, kudos to the wife because the her heart is like, I want... I want to help my husband. I want to please him. Um, you know, whatever it might be, it, it clearly came from like a really genuine heart, something that was trying to serve the marriage. 
Here is what normally happens when porn is introduced into a marriage. Initially, it's awesome. It's like, wow, this is like invigorating. This is really arousing. We're having better sex. Like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And then it peters out. Now, what I mean by peters out is it becomes an absolute catastrophe. And usually the sex life worsens and sometimes it actually results in like divorce or like major, major disconnection between the two. There's really no difference between watching porn as a married couple or having a threesome. I know that's like super strong, like kind of extreme. You probably hear that and you're like, okay, Sathya, like, come on, like be reasonable. Um, I am being reasonable. When you watch porn, remember, like marriage is sanctioned between a husband and a wife, man and woman. So whether the person is in real life or they're on a screen, you have invited a third party into the covenant, into the relationship. A relationship between man and wife in a marriage context cannot thrive unless all of the trust and all of the relational equity is built between the husband and the wife. When a third party is introduced, the equity is now being distributed elsewhere. Because if you need to bond with the people on that screen first before you can bond with your wife, your marriage is no longer exclusive. And marriages that are not exclusive are not marriages at all. They might be called marriages legally and whatever else, but they are not marriages. They, they, are, they are not the biblical design of a marriage. And they are certainly not the parameters you want for a healthy, thriving, long-term marriage. Impossible. So do not bring porn into your marriage. Don't do it. You might as well invite a third party if you're going to. It, it simply it, it destroys your capacity for arousal and it conditions your brain to, to basically bond first with the porn and second with your wife. The design of marriage and sex in a marriage is for a husband and wife to experience intimacy, to express their love to one another, to invest relational equity into the marriage. And you cannot do that when there are third parties involved. Don't bring porn into your marriage. Question number two. Is masturbation okay? If I'm fantasizing about my wife. Okay, here's the thing. And I, I'll say this pretty regularly. The Bible does not overtly say you cannot masturbate. Like in the Ten Commandments, at no point does it say, thou shalt not please himself. The problem with masturbation is that it is solo intimacy, which is oxymoronic. Because true intimacy exists between two human beings. Masturbation is solo intimacy. So it violates the very essence of relationship. What masturbation does... Now this is like... We're not, I'm not even talking about the fantasy component yet. But what masturbation does is it, it conditions your body to prioritize your needs above the needs of the other. Now, anybody knows, like if you really want to have 
good sex in your relationship, or if you even want to just have a good relationship, the best thing you can do is prioritize the needs of the others, uh, of the other rather, knowing that if you prioritize their needs in the process, yours will get met. So the best thing you can do is prioritize their needs, prioritize what they want, what they desire. You cannot do that when you masturbate. There's only one priority when you masturbate. It's you. So I don't believe that in any circumstance, masturbation is a good practice, period, let alone in a marriage. I really don't. Now, the reasons why are because of what I've outlined. Um, but let's talk about the fantasy part because I haven't covered that yet. Here's the thing. <laughs> if let's say let's say that you uh, you masturbate to help with stress, okay? So masturbation is like it's the best outlet that you have in your arsenal. So then, like you think, well, okay, I'm stressed. So all I'm going to do is just you know quickly squeak one out, and I'm going to imagine my wife the whole time while I'm doing it. So you know she's I'm not thinking about anybody else. I'm just thinking about my wife. So then there's two questions that come with that. Okay, number one, what happens when your wife is the source of your distress? She's still going to be the object of your fantasy? And number two, do you fantasize your wife doing things that she actually wants to do? You have to answer both of those questions. Because th those are the, the major pitfalls. Those are the major pitfalls. Is number one, the fantasies are generally about the wife, but not always. Or they start always about the wife, but then they eventually evolve. And number two, the fantasies, while they involve the wife, the wife is doing things that are outside of her comfort zone or whatever else, which actually makes me realize we probably need to talk about that. So I'll, I'll make a mention of that as well. Um, kind of working with the comfort zones of your significant other. We've talked about that before, but I'll, I'll touch on it here. So I don't think masturbation in your marriage is doing you any favors. And if it's doing anything, it's likely a disservice. So I'd be very, very cautious about it. And actually, I would strongly discourage it. Okay, question number three. What if your wife wants to send images of herself? All right. Number one, why? It's highly, highly unlikely that she is doing it for her sake. She's likely doing it for yours. So what is it in the relationship that has led your wife to believe that sending images is necessary for her to experience sexual health in the marriage? As an example, if she knows that you watch porn and she thinks, well, maybe if I send images of myself, then he won't go to porn. Well, guess what? Her solution isn't solving anything because you are the problem. You struggle with porn. So getting your wife's porn doesn't make it any better. You still have an issue and it needs to be addressed. If maybe she wants to send it because she kind of likes teasing, you know, and she likes kind of, you know, getting the wheels spinning a little bit before the real thing, then... I want you to think about 
other ways that you could do it that might be more effective and more healthy. The images thing is really dangerous because it, it, it's an experience that is, again, not in person. It, it, there's there's a, a digital element to it. And I believe that sexual intimacy is meant to be experienced in person. I really do. I, I think as soon as you go outside of it, it becomes very self-serving. Now, you might get something occasional here and there and whatever. But as a regular practice, I think it's a really bad idea. Really bad practice. I'm trying to think if there's any other circumstances, but those are probably uh, the main ones. I guess the other thing would be like if you're gone away for a long time. But again, I would really, I would avoid the images thing and I would strongly encourage at least FaceTiming and like having your interactions that way. Whatever they may be, that's your business. I don't need to get into that, but, um, but that would be my recommendation. The images thing, the other thing to remember is that like all of this is tracked, right? Like our, our phones are just like these data monsters and big tech has their fingers in all of our lives, way more than we'd probably care to acknowledge, uh, let alone be aware of. So you got to be really careful. So that that's, I guess, another thing to think about is like, you know, what are some of the risks involved with it? But again, that, that's less on the moral ethical side. It's just more of like a, a logistical thing to consider. Okay, uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about, because this has come up, and I, I know I talked about this recently, but not quite this directly. Um, in a marriage, okay, in a marriage, it's possible that your significant other will not want to do some of the things that you want to do. So I don't have a specific list here, but let me just talk about a couple examples. One example is oral sex. Another example is anal sex. Um, there might be certain positions. And the thing is, when you have a history with porn, those positions and the things that you watch, they, they seem so normal. Like it just seems like this is the, the natural thing. This is what couples do. It sets these unrealistic expectations. But really, uh, what people actually do is what they're comfortable with. And you don't know what that's going to be until you get married. So that's a tricky one. That's a really tricky one. And you may even have a conversation and it's kind of like, well, you know, I'm comfortable with this and oh, I'm not sure about that one. But then you get in and it's like, oh, nope, I am not comfortable with anything outside of this. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk a little bit about kind of the moral God design side of it. And then I also just want to talk about, um, you know, kind of the best practice side of it. So I'm just going to be blunt. Anal sex is a really bad idea. I, I do not believe that is a good idea under any moral compass. The main reason being that you have to, you, what you're trying to do is you're always trying to look at design. You're trying to look at design. And when you look at the body parts that God has designed, I just don't believe that part of your body should be used for that. Do I think it's a sin? I'm not sure. And to be honest, I, I know there's some scriptures out there around it. I think most of them are in a homosexual context, um, but I haven't, I haven't researched it a ton. But I think it's really bad practice and I don't see much of an endorsement for it biblically. Um, oral. Is oral sex appropriate? Is it inappropriate? 
Um, here's the thing, like, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that. Number one, your significant other has to be comfortable with it if you're going to go there at all. And number two, um, I would say that it, unless you have, you know, extenuating circumstances, like you may have somebody um, who maybe the, the wife has vaginismus. Okay, now if you don't know what that is, it's where um, regular sex, sexual intercourse is really painful for the woman, like like unbearably painful. And if you if you've had that, like I want to just say I'm really sorry. I, it, it can be really stressful on the relationship. And what happens usually is the woman feels really bad, so she's like, no, let's just do it. I'll, I'll tough it out. And what happens is the man actually becomes very focused on getting his needs met because it's impossible for the woman to get hers met when it's so painful. So it, it, it seems like the right thing to do, but it really, I mean, I know guys who have been married a long time to people that, um, you know, or to, to women rather that have vaginismus. And, you know, it becomes very apparent that like intercourse is just not a solution. You have to find other ways. So when you're looking at other ways, I think, I think that's when it's like actually a, a pretty good idea to maybe look at something like oral sex and consider some other options. But again, the spouse has to be comfortable. And this takes me to the kind of the last thing I wanted to address uh, in this, this question, uh, which is, you know, what if there's positions that, you know, are totally acceptable, there's nothing weird about them, there's nothing that's, you know, I don't know, outside of the box, but your spouse just simply is not comfortable doing it, then you don't do it, period. I wish there was another answer. I really do. But remember that sex is about intimacy. It's about relational equity between two people. So if you do something the other person is not comfortable with, and if you kind of force it or you coerce the situation so that it can get done, number one, you've made it more about you than you have about them. But number two, you have now made sex a counterproductive experience because it is impossible for your significant other to experience true, unconditional love, safety, and connection when they are doing something that they do not feel comfortable and safe doing. The best thing you can do, if, if your significant other has drawn a line, and they've said, you know what, I'm not comfortable with anything beyond this, or, you know, whatever it might be, like wherever they've drawn that line, the best thing you can do is honor it. It's the same principles of any boundary setting. A boundary has been set. The boundary protects you and the other person. And when you honor the boundary, you honor the relationship. That will always be the best thing to do. Now, depending on the boundary, what might happen is when they see that you're honoring, you're appreciating, and you're respecting their line that they've drawn, what might happen is they will eventually move it because they feel safe. They, can, they see that you can honor that boundary. And they think, well, you did so much for me. You made some sacrifices. I really appreciate it. This, you know, what you're asking for is a bit of a stretch. I still don't feel great about it, but I would be willing to try. Those kinds of experiences happen all the time if you honor the initial boundaries. But if you try to push on those boundaries from day one, all you do is Prove yourself to be a threat to your significant other's safety. All you prove is that your needs and your desires are more important than theirs. 
So be very, very careful and be very quick to honor their boundaries as best as you possibly can. I think that's everything for today. I tried to tackle some of the main questions that we get asked in this area. If I missed some, if you have other things that you want to know about, reach out to me. I would love to hear from you and I would love to tackle it. Honestly, like uh, the better I can serve you, uh, then the more, um, the more effort I'm going to put in. So if you give me a question, I'll research it. I'll do my best to make sure that I give you a thorough answer and help you in that area. But hey, thank you guys so much for listening. Have an incredible weekend. I'm cheering you on. And I want to let you know there's a really good interview coming up on Monday. That's with Steve Sonderman uh, of No Regrets Men. Uh, just incredible advice on uh, marriage, uh, on how, why guys aren't attending the church anymore, and how to find your calling in life, and, and what it really looks like to walk in a fulfilling calling. Um, I know you're going to be tremendously blessed by it. I highly, highly recommend the interview. If you haven't subscribed, hit that subscribe button. That's going to ensure you get access to it right away when it's released. And without further ado, I'm out. Much love to you, gentlemen. Have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at Sam. Thanks again and see you next time.